It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back to the Fantasy Football Zone. we got Corey Smith with us with Rotowire. How are you doing this week? Going on, Paul. Well, I'm out in the, out in the wilderness here. <laughs> Thanksgiving week, it's it's all off the table, you know. So we're we're just doing what we can, baby. Postseason coming up with the uh, fantasy playoffs and big slate tomorrow, and some news on the Ravens front here. Your Broncos have driven you to the wilderness. They have, they have. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's been rough. I uh, surprised we got the win last week yeah. over the Dolphins, but hey, they're that kind of team, Paul. They're like a Jekyll and Hyde group. <laughs> Drew Locke, I'm not really quite convinced yet, but we'll we'll see, man. He wins these games. He's a young quarterback, so hey, I'm I'm gonna have to be patient here. And they listened to us this week. They actually ran the ball. They actually ran the ball on the fins, and crazy that Tua got benched in his fourth career start. I mean, yes. that's that I have a pick. There was some talk about him maybe being banged up. It's just crazy they put Fitzpatrick back in there to give him the best chance to win. They almost got it done. A pick stick mm-hmm. or a pick in the end zone late snuffed it out for Miami. But interesting that they turned to Fitz Magic last week in Denver. Well, of course, you did mention the Ravens. That is the big talk going on right now. Obviously, the two names that uh, we know, or there's three names, but of course, Dobbins and Ingram were uh, positive for COVID earlier in the week. Then, you know, the NFL, of course, came out with the stance, oh, nothing's changing. It's going to be on Thanksgiving night. Then the release comes out this morning. Nope, we are going to be postponing that game. It's going to be Sunday. And then they just updated the time frame a little bit more. This game is going to be kicking off 15 minutes after the noon kickoff game for Ravens-Steelers on Sunday afternoon. So a lot of wild stuff going on uh, surrounding this game. And, of course, that's what we kind of figured what was going to happen this season. Very strange. And also we've got Calais Campbell, some guys on the defensive yeah. end for Baltimore that are pretty significant. The thing that's weird about this is when do they postpone these games? When do they go on? I know the Raiders have been just ravaged, ravaged at points yes. this season. They've played through them. I mean, it's certainly beneficial for the Ravens. Juju Smith-Schuster isn't happy about it, but overall, it's better to be safe than sorry here, and why not push it back with the flexibility there? I don't know why they went for 115. I don't know either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, sure, guys, if, if, you, if it makes you happy. Yeah, I think that's more of an NBC thing, just to maybe highlight the game a little bit more since it, it was taken off their thir- their uh, Thanksgiving schedule, so they can say, "Well, it's a you know it's a one fifteen kickoff game here." So you know, I I'm, that's my guess on why it's starting fifteen minutes after the noon kickoff games. But hey, if you got a quick inactive situation and you got someone going in that game, you can swap them out. It gives you extra fifteen minutes, so it could help you in fantasy. It could help you. But of course, we'll is Gus Edwards going to be the starter this week? It's I- all on the table in terms of Ingram. And Dobbins, are they going to recover in time? So that's to be determined. But even in tough matchup against the Steelers, if you're desperate, Gus Edwards could be a decent play if those other two guys are out. So just something to keep an eye on for Sunday, one fifteen. And again, with J.K. Dobbins, it looked like he reasserted himself as the number one back in that backfield, something we've been cheering for. And then this, this news happens. And like we said, we don't know if he'll be able to go this Sunday or not, but it just seems like, man, you see the promises there, everything that we like going into this season, but there's always a little setback where all of a sudden now he's going to have to prove himself again, it looks like. I know. It's 15 carries this last week against Tennessee, and that's the follow-up. Five the week before against New England. You know, he's had double-digit carry games three of the past four weeks, but, you know, it's just they haven't given him the keys yet. As the season goes, we'll see. We'll see. But they still have a lot to play for, so... 
that kind of makes me think that whoever's the best back is going to play. And yeah. we've seen flashes from them. A couple rough games, but broke back out against Tennessee here with the touchdown and 4.7 yards per carry. Can certainly do worse for Dobbins. Other news uh, this past week, yeah, Cincinnati, man. You know, just before the game, you know, on that Saturday, they put Joe Mixon on IR. Not sure if he's going to play again this season, at least the fantasy season. Not sure if he's going to be out or not here for the rest of the way when you need him in the stretch run. But Joe Burrow, man, that hit he took, the knee injury now, just a sad thing to see, especially it looked like that offense was really going with him, and he was making things moving. And to get injured like that, uh, just a real bummer. It was tough to watch. Uh, you know, Schefter also saying, Adam Schefter, not just the ACL, MCL, structural issues. It's not a straightforward situation here. So we're, we're hoping for the best. I believe in this guy. You know, it, even if it's a crazy injury, you got to believe in his toughness and his ability to get back. But on pace to set all kinds of rookie records. He was on pace to break the completions record, passing yardage. On pace to be the rookie with the fewest interceptions with 500-plus attempts. So all kinds of crazy stats for Joe Burrow this season. Of course, we've seen Herbert also be very effective as a rookie, but he was in the rookie of the year mix, of course. And this uh, damaging news, especially for those other guys in that offense, Paul, for fantasy, the receivers, now they've got Brandon Allen coming in. Oh, boy. Uh, 46% completion rate last year uh, with the Broncos. You know, Broncos didn't want him, Paul. If the Broncos got rid of this guy, I mean, that's like that's like the Bucks getting rid of cornerbacks. That's yeah. not a good sign. See, I was going to ask you about that whole offense thing. How much do you trust now on offense? Uh, you know, Tyler Boyd, C. Higgins, who was really coming on nice. You know, A.J. Green, maybe a spot play if you really needed him. And, uh, you know, also at uh, backup running back as well. Names escape. Why is it escaping me? Because he's on five of my rosters right now. But, uh <laughs> I just the mustachio. Yes, the mustachio exactly. Bro, uh, Gio Bernard. Gio Bernard. Yes, the mustache. I mean, he looks. <laughs> I don't know when he grew that baby out, but that's that picture always gets me now when I'm looking at my roster. I'm like, who is that? That's Gio Bernard. But how much of a hit now does do you pl- trust any of these guys down the stretch here, especially getting the playoffs now that Joe Burrow's not running this team? It's gonna. I don't think there's any question. It's gonna be at least. A moderate downgrade here. We really don't know. I mean, Allen's only played, he's only started three games in his career. Finley, the guy out of NC State, he looked pretty rough in spots last year for the two win, two and 14 Bengals last year. It's really largely to be determined, but I have a hard time believing it's not going to be somewhat of a downgrade, Paul. I mean, these could be guys, if you still got heat coming off of them, there's people in your league interested. It could be a good time to move them before we see this offense with the deadline rapidly approaching. But largely, Paul, we don't know, but it's hard to believe it will not be a downgrade. Up next, the uh, Patriots backfield situation, and we've been, uh, you know, trying to figure out who's the lead back in this. It's a it's a by committee thing, but it thinned out a little bit with, unfortunately, an injury to Rex Burkhead here. As my dad calls him, Buckweed, one of his favorite uh, fantasy pickups this year. Uh, top twenty five fantasy back uh, through week eleven. We know he's had some tough weeks. He's also had some huge weeks, but he's saying it looks like his year has come to an end. Looks like it's an ACL tear in his right knee. Ugh. Michelle, he was he was uh, off injured reserve last week from the quad injury and eligible to play, but he did not suit up against the Texans. Damien Harris, every time he touches the ball, he looks pretty electrifying. I yes. mean, he's not he looks pretty good. I, um, among that backfield, Damien Harris, 
touched on it last week. I still think he's the most explosive option. Michelle, we know he's got that red zone upside, but it, to me, he's the guy, Paul. I think Damian Harris has the most, probably going to get the most carries. Michelle will eat in and get some red zone work, but the most explosive player to me is Harris right now in that backfield. Up next, yeah, we'll talk about the Packers. Very uh, tough game against Indianapolis where Indy was basically trying to give them any chance to win that game at the end with, I think, six offensive penalties where they didn't have to use a timeout. That was the craziest ending sequence I've ever witnessed in my life. But, of course, there was the fumble, and uh, the fumble by MVS and just some of the fan base losing their mind about this and not understanding this. MVS, he's got a soft spot in my heart. He took my uh, son's bike at training camp uh, last year and rode it there. So he's always been one of my favorites, and it was good to see him break up. But to see all this stuff going on, it's just like, come on, people. I mean, he would they wouldn't have had a chance in that game without some of his contributions. And, you know, this just how football works. It's how anything works. You know, you strike out to end the game. You have the big fumble that leads to the turnover to end the game. It's always right on your mind. But his response, I don't think he could have responded to it any better. He's just like, death threats over a football game? This is on his Twitter. I mean, he literally is getting death threats. He's like, you people need help. It's actually yes. sick. I yeah. mean, my team has my back. So that that's good to hear from MBS. He still got his head on straight. And he should. I mean, that's that's just football, man. You're gonna Mistakes are going to happen. A hard fought game. Indianapolis, probably the best defense in the league, so it's a really tough loss. But what, how seriously do we take the Colts now? How seriously can we take them with Philip Rivers? I mean, he's going to look good inside in a dome, but how, if he's on the road in Pittsburgh or Kansas City, I feel like we've seen that story, Paul. I don't know. Yep. They're a really good team, but I don't. I don't know if I can see them going all the way. See, yeah, they are really going to have to keep winning here because, yeah, they have to have that dome advantage. I think that really helps them out a lot, especially with Rivers staying inside. Now, he did get beat up quite a bit in this game, so, I mean, he's starting to take a licking in that body. It's not uh, – this isn't 25-year-old Philip Rivers anymore. So, I mean, those aches and pains, they're not going to be going away now till the off season. So, yeah, he, he – he, I think, you know, they had to get Brissett in a couple of times, and I know some of those were designed packages, and I think maybe that's where Frank Reich is going because I've noticed that the last couple weeks more Brissett has been in on some of these run you know option pass you know whatever maybe that's by design because they maybe are saying the same thing with Rivers is we've got to maybe uh, pace this guy a little bit so he could be around to the playoffs exactly yeah they're deploying Brissett every opportunity they can in those uh third and one, fourth and one goal line situations. I had the touchdown a couple weeks back. I mean, we don't really, it's not going to affect Rivers' fantasy value hardly. He's starting to pick it up here. I mean, he was looking terrible the first yes. five weeks of the season. He had a bunch of interceptions, one and zero touchdown passing outings. Last five games, he's had three touchdowns in three of those five. He's also cooled off on the interceptions here. That's what he's got to do. He He's not going to go toe-to-toe. They're going to have to lean on this defense, but the last thing I can think of is, look, the, the Broncos won a Super Bowl in 2015 with Peyton Manning throwing twice <laughs> as many interceptions as touchdowns in the regular season. If that dome advantage, like we said, home field more important for them than anybody, really, because they don't have that reliable quarterback that some of these other teams in the AFC do. And up next, we, you know, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Monday night. I mean, it was a good game, but again, Tom Brady, a crucial interception down the end there, and and uh, not surprising to see this from uh, one of the most clutch QBs of all time. It is strange. I mean, that last interception. Yeah, it was bad. He just floated it right into his hand. I mean, it was not uh, a super competitive throw. And, it, 
look at the play that it came on. How about this stat here? Brady on the deep ball, weeks one through seven, on any passes 20 or more yards down the field, a 43% completion rate. You know, not spectacular, but okay. 43% from 20-plus yards. The last four weeks, he's completing five percent of his passes beyond 20 yards he's one for 19 on deep passes the last four weeks yeah that that interception floor at the end of the game was brutal arians is saying it's more of a familiarity issue not a confidence issue just continuity having 20 years in new england it's an issue of deciphering coverages with a new playbook more so than him having the ability right paul i mean yeah they just don't have a running i think the big thing in this is they don't have a running back who we who he's throwing to on wheel routes out of the backfield consistently. They don't have a running back receiving threat that they've had in James White, I feel like. And that's a great point with the playbook and everything else. You know, he Tom tried his best to get advantages in the offseason when they weren't supposed to be with each other, with Byron Leftwich just strolling by the house and maybe dropping off a playbook and, you know, get to know and pick his brain and whatnot in person. But, you know, this was not a normal offseason that you would have where he could get used to the rookies. He could, you know, build those relationships. I know he tried his workouts and all that stuff and got kicked out of the park but I think that's what we're seeing the effects here of not having a full postseason especially in Tampa's case and I think too with Tampa their inability to have a number one back they just cannot pick between Fournette and Jones I think that is kind of hurting them because I, I think Ronald Jones out of the backfield I think he would be able to get some of those passes not saying he would be like the James White or anything like that but with their inability of trying to go with a lead back and just going with this hot hand, I I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Last two games, they only have four combined catches, Fournette and Ronald Jones. That's not a recipe for winning. No. I don't know. In Brady's reality, it seems like. We know he's a great quarterback, but look, you got to – he's 43 years old. We've got to help this guy out, all right? I mean, that's just – that's just the number one thing. If they can find a way to bring somebody in, it doesn't need to be a big ticket item. But they've got two between the tackle guys. I mean, Fournette's had one season with like 60 catches, but that's not what he's known for. No. Neither is Jones. He never caught passes in college. He's He has open field speed, but he's really not known for that either. And Fournette just a straight-up drop in this last game. So that's clearly an issue. Seven and four now. I feel like we overreact to the Bucks' struggles, but, you know, it, it's an issue – Hot and cold, hot and cold. And the Rams, they got a little lucky in this one. I mean, they had the opportunity to ice the game in the red zone, could have put it away with a touchdown maybe, or at least expanded the lead instead of just being up three. Sean McVay runs it on second and third down against the best rush defense in the NFL. Instead of putting it in Jared Goff's hand, I don't know, just raises your eyebrow a little bit there, but the Rams escaped this one. Other takeaways from Week 11 was pretty good last Thursday night. Uh, The Seahawks-Cardinals with the uh, Seahawks coming out on top. Big time, and immediately, Carlos Dunlap continues to have an impact. A two-time Pro Bowler acquired from Cincinnati on November 4th. Comes up with that game-clinching sack in the final 35 seconds on Kyler Murray, causing the turnover on downs, ending the game. He had two total in this game, and to me, the turning point, Paul, in this football game was that holding penalty on J.R. Sweezy in the red zone or in their own end zone uh, to result in the safety. Yeah. That completely that completely flipped this game and gave Seattle a four-point lead with nine minutes. That, that to me, was where this game shifted. It was kind of a questionable call. Yeah, and that's, yeah, with that, I was wondering. All of a sudden, I looked up, like, what what, what happened here? And I'm like, oh, there was a holding on. Uh, well, yeah, I guess. But there were a lot of questionable calls over this weekend of what was interference and what was holding and everything else. But, uh, yeah, in this game, that seemed to do it. And, of course, you know, the Cardinals, they were coming off the whole hail 
Kyle Murray thing and everything else on the short week. And DeAndre Hopkins, I know there was a prop bet out there for sure. He's got to get over like 75 yards. I think that's what it was. He didn't in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's been, he's mostly just, he's mostly been a beast. But they've got some other people to get the ball to. Five catches, 51 yards. And now it's two out of three, Paul. I mean, he did, you know, that one catch alone, 43-yard touchdown against the Bills in week 10 was like a, you know, 13-point fantasy play in its own right, like a 10-point play that just boosted his day in Week 10. But otherwise, I mean, he's just got eight combined catches for 81 yards uh, in his other two of the past three games. It's not what we expect out of him, but he's just he's just too good. I don't think we can we can budge on him. Now, on the uh, just back to the Seattle backfield, how is it shaping up? I know we Carlos Hyde looked pretty decent in this one. We know Chris Carson, again, sounds like he might be back this week. So who do we lean on, I guess, this week? I think we're going to have Carson back this week. At least Pete Carroll's saying, unless there's a setback, we're going to see Carson in the lineup here. He's missed four straight games. Also a bit of a benefit here, Seattle, Philadelphia not kicking off until Monday night football. So an yeah. extra day for Carson to get right. I don't know if in DFS you're rolling him out there, but I'm thinking if you have him on your team, unless you got lucky with like a James Robinson, someone of that ilk, uh, probably have to start Carson. But Carlos Hyde did look really good. I thought he looked pretty powerful running the ball, ran through some people, 79 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries. So he may still have some effectiveness in some deep league utility this week, Carlos Hyde, as they segue Carson back in. But right now it looks like Carson's going to play Monday night. All right, up next, the Saints and the Falcons. And if you play in a certain fantasy league, you may have been upset at the positioning of a quarterback that is somehow a tight end. Yeah, Taysom Hill, it was named, I guess, Sean Payton. There was some, you know, speculation around the organization. Hey, we're paying this guy money, so we're going to start him. And at one point, they even said Jameis Winston won't see the field. And, well, they were true to that form. And, yeah, Taysom Hill lined up as a tight end for you on ESPN formats. And I am I, I read the comments on some of these um accounts and not happy with that decision and i think espn heard it they're uh <laughs> taking it down and yeah. it makes sense i mean it didn't i was i was questioning it a little bit but benefiting from it in one league i was like you know you can keep him as a tight end for this week uh no one had tyler higby yes a complete dud but yeah no yeah. not tight end utility he's strictly a quarterback at this point i'm wondering is this like a i don't want to say an ego thing but is this somewhat of an ego thing for sean payton here i mean just proving look this, i'm a great coach don't doubt me i can make this guy ex packer practice squad guy hurt his entire college career practically into a starting nfl quarterback he's not quite a tim tebow but Mm-hmm. He, he's somewhat in that in that neighborhood. We'll see. He's a better passer. 18 for 23 in this one against the Falcons. 233 through the air. And the two touchdowns on the ground, 51 rushing yards. Are you worried at all about Latavius Murray? I don't think we're worried about Kamara. No. Too elite. But Murray could have some of his value sapped here in coming weeks if Taysom Hill takes a lot of those goal line carries. Yeah, and well, Michael Thomas had his best game in some time with Taysom Hill under center, so maybe that's the recipe. I don't know. It helps out to have him out there. That's correct. I would not have expected that, but at last, it's uh, the week where Michael Thomas delivers uh, big-time performance. If you've invested, if you've traded or bought low on Michael Thomas, it's been a long wait. 
After setting an NFL record with 149 catches last year, missed those six games, as we know, weeks two to eight, hamstring and ankle issues. And then his first two games back, seven catches combined for 78 yards. That's not what we drafted him to be. So this breakout, huge. If you started him, which you probably did against the Falcons. And this is insane, Paul. Despite all the time missed, six missed games with his performance against the Falcons, comes up with his 40 excuse me, 482nd career catch, the most ever for a player in his first five NFL seasons. So all that missed time, still just a target monster. Yeah, are you selling high if you can, Paul? That's my question for you. Like, Do you buy this thing with Taysom Hill going forward? We might be with him until week 15. We're going to get Breeze back, it sounds like, those last couple weeks. Thomas is just so talented. I mean, that's the thing about Mm -hmm. doubting him, even with an unorthodox quarterback. Well, I had a roster decision. I had uh, Matt Ryan as my quarterback, but I thought I think I might take a flyer on Taysom Hill because I think he's going to get me some rushing yards. And like within the last 10 minutes before kickoff, I switched Matt Ryan out of there. I put Taysom Hill in, and I was uh, happy with that decision at the end of the game. Now, I don't know if this is going to continue on, but I do like, you know, it's almost like how Cam was in the beginning of the season with New England. It looks like, you know, maybe they'll move this offense more towards, you know, rushing in him and he'll have some decent rushing numbers and he'll pass it every now and then but when you watch the game no they actually they went all out in fact he almost had a uh, passing touchdown to get called off the board yeah Emmanuel Sanders had it deep down the middle it was a great pass but they called uh, I think it was uh, holding so that that touchdown came back but it looks like they yeah Sean Payton's gonna call a regular game plan with him and yeah they'll be throwing the ball so I I'm on the Taysom Hill bandwagon for right now I'm with you I'm with you. I think we got to buy in. I mean, if you've if you've bitten the bullet with Michael Thomas, I don't think you're going to sell him uh, or deal him. I should say, yeah, at a better price than you've already you've already paid so much to keep him on your lineup to this point. So I think keep going. Taysom Hill individually with his rushing value really could be a, a very good asset here down the road. And the Broncos defense coming up in Week 12 doesn't scare you like it has in seasons past. And in the ATL, oh, man, right when Matt Ryan looked like he was on track, he had this game. Yeah, and that was a great move by you. I mean, <laughs> I got lucky. this is the first first time all season he's had multiple interceptions. And that line in front of him, Paul, we knew it was not great coming into the year. McGarry and Lindstrom, they're young on the right side. Eight sacks in this game, 11 <sighs> quarterback hits. Uh, Raheem Morris blamed Ryan for a number of them, said really three were on the offensive line. But, yeah, not, not a good performance from Ryan. They come back to early after a 3-1 and one start under interim coach Raheem Morris. Uh, yeah, Ryan's been good the last quarter of the season, but an off night from him and a good sub out on your part. And uh, Todd Gurley, you know, we've said this guy could probably win you a championship this year. Steady performances. Well, this one, you know, New Orleans, though, I think people are really underselling their defense. You know, it's always the talk about the offense, but that defense is really good, and they proved it again. Especially against the run. They've been really good against the run the last two, three years. Just a, a woof, rough performance from Gurley here. 26 rushing yards on eight carries. He hasn't been much of a pass catcher this year and just one catch in this game for three yards. The workload was just terrible. I mean, his eight rush attempts were six fewer than he has had in any other game this entire season. And after they fell into a 15-point hole, 
Atlanta with 12.40 to go in the game. Didn't get a single offensive touch the rest of the game. So just completely relegated out of the game plan because he just has not been very effective in the passing game. That's what's killing him in PPR, but the touchdowns have made up for it. No touchdown in Week 11. That's not going to be a good game for Gurley. And uh, that wide receiver front, uh, what's it looking like for Julio this week? It's questionable right now. We know earlier in the season he had a hamstring issue, played through it. This is like week five or six. Comes back, toughs it out, plays out the game, and then had to sit out the following game. So keep an eye on him. He got hurt in the second quarter. He missed the entire third quarter. There really wasn't any report during that game Sunday or very minimal during the third quarter. Comes back in the fourth, and he's limping. He's on the sideline. I mean, it was it was ugly. Just two catches from Jones in this game. I would not be surprised if he doesn't play against the Raiders this weekend, but we know he's he's an elite, elite receiver. You got him in your lineup. Almost certainly have to play him, want to play him. But it was really engaged this week against the Saints. Absolutely nothing from Hayden Hurst after a really good couple of games. But uh, it's an interesting dynamic right here with these Atlanta pass catchers, and it'll, it'll change Julio if he's out of the lineup it obviously shifts everything here going into week 12 up next pittsburgh and jacksonville pittsburgh takes care of business 10 and 0 first time in franchise history and do we start talking run the table with them i know they got a tough matchup with baltimore coming up and uh you know it's down the road as well with some other teams on the schedule but i mean i again i i'm surprised that they're still 10 and 0 I only think there's two more games that can trip them up i mean i think they'll beat baltimore we're gonna pick that game but we'll, we'll see We'll talk that out, but, you know, Washington, the Bengals, the Browns, they're going to own those three teams. These are the two games, Paul. Week, what do we got? Week 14 at Buffalo. Yep. Week 16 at home against the Colts. Those are the okay. two games. Really, besides this week, I mean, they could lose to the Ravens. It's a it's stretch, but they, it's not – it's definitely not going to be a uh, cakewalk the rest of the way. I think three of their six games are very tough. And uh, for this one, fantasy-wise, again, Big Ben, you know, he did all right, I guess. he didn't. He's not putting up the huge numbers that, you know, he was five years ago or whatnot, but steady performance again. Exactly. The defense is just too dominant for him to consistently put up 40, 50 attempts. This game, he put up close to it. He put up 46 attempts, yeah. 261 yards to the air, two passing touchdowns on a pick. You know, two passing touchdowns is pretty much what we expect from Big Ben every week, I feel like, this season. And uh, 24 to 5 touchdown interception ratio on the year, so really, really efficient. And the Ravens now move to Sunday, as we know. Not that terrifying against quarterbacks in fantasy this year. Actually, just 15 in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So very middling. And Roethlisberger, too, very middling. So I'd imagine we're not looking at him at all in DFS, but better life, uh, real-life quarterback than fantasy, as we know, in 2020. One thing, though, with the Steelers, fantasy-wise, that might be just, uh, you know, really wondering what do I go with is that wide receiving core. Every week it's someone different with the big game, either Juju or Deontay Johnson who blew up in this game, or Chase Claypool who's been somewhat twice. I know he had the touchdown, he had decent performance in this game, but it seems like you it, one of them comes out ahead way above the other two each week. Exactly, and Juju exiting this game opens things up for the other two guys. I mean, this is this is completely 2020. Uh, Juju bangs his toe on a official, the weighted part of an official flag, <laughs> and he immediately starts limping. So you, you hate to see that. I yeah. can't even believe that's physically possible, but it is. <laughs> and uh, pretty much, they said relayed from the Steelers sideline. If we needed Juju to play. We could have, he could have played. He could have gone back in the game, it sounded like. But, of course, blowing out a last-place team, a one-win Jaguars team, 
no need to rush him back. Deontay Johnson, the last couple weeks, back-to-back 100-yard outings, he was banged up a lot early in the season, so maybe just being healthy, he's going to explode this final quarter of the season. And Claypool, now 10 touchdowns, two rushing, eight receiving. That's been a big part of his value, but Deontay Johnson, really the volume monster and the guy you wanted against the Jaguars. And Jacksonville made it official this morning that they are tanking for Trevor uh, with Mike Glennie now, their starting starting quarterback. As John Gruden said... (laughs) That guy's got that guy's got a neck on him. He's got a neck. Yes, he yeah, does. We gotta get that neck out. We gotta get him out there. <laughs> so yeah, exactly, Paul. If you're looking to tank, and they're close. I mean, they're only one game back of the Jets. They got one. The Jets got none. They're in the mix. So get Mike in here. Get Mike in the mix. Luton's making a little too close for comfort. I mean, they almost beat the Texans. They're in the mix against the Packers. Yeah. And no Minshew mania. You know, if you get Minshew back in there, he's like a young Fitzpatrick. He's gonna spark something. I don't know how we got them to six and six in his twelve starts last year. Yeah, exactly. Get get Glennon in there. Let's not get around here. We still have a shot at Trevor. That's all I could say from that because with Luton in there, they were actually besides this Pittsburgh game, I was kind of impressed with the performances he was putting up. They were going toe to toe with some of these teams, and to make that decision, I'm like, it's official. They they know where they are, and they are trying to get that number one spot because I don't know. They don't want to be Justin Fields. They don't want Justin Fields, I guess. They want to really have the number one overall and really trank for Tever. you got to at least get Fields if you're not going to get Lawrence in. Yeah. I think that was the Jets' best shot against the Chargers. I thought they could have snuck that one out. They had a late score that kind of made it look slightly closer than it was. The Chargers took a last-second safety on the punt. But uh, the Jets, they have the Dolphins this week. The Dolphins have been pretty tough. I don't see them winning any of the other games. Uh, maybe Week 17 against the Patriots. Who knows what that Patriots mm-hmm. team will look like. At that point, but exactly, yeah. Those are the two teams right now. Jets, Jags, the top, and uh, it's two tough teams to go to. I wouldn't be especially excited about it. It's not like the the Colts are drafting the top or something like that. Uh, But we'll see. With a new coach, maybe that Jets situation will look a lot better. All right, Kansas City and Las Vegas. Just by mentioning this game, I think I'm getting the death stare from Derek Carr right now. Oh, baby, here we go. Another, Another example of what this season has been at the end of games, like, it seems like any time team has a ball at the end of the game, they go down. This one again, three combined touchdowns in the last six minutes, just back and forth, back and forth again. <laughs> it's just, it's brutal. I mean, that's got to be the division here for KC. They yeah. just locked it up, I feel like, going to 9-1, and one, pushing Las Vegas to 6-4. and four. But when they get to the playoffs, this may be the team with the best chance to knock them off. I mean, they were mm-hmm. the only team to beat them in the calendar year. Their last loss for Kansas City was November 10th of last year before they lost the Raiders in week five so if they meet again in the playoffs Paul this this may be the best team that has a chance to knock them off in the AFC but tough to bet against the Steelers in that regard yeah I'm with you though yeah every time they matched up that game at Kansas City they knocked him off was impressive and this one I mean for much of the game they were leading it seemed like they had a little bit of control until that fourth quarter when Mahomes once again it worked the magic and uh, they came back and won it I mean what happened in that Kelsey play he could, there was nobody yeah. within a 20 foot radius I mean he he was game on the line. That's not what you love to see from your defense. There may have been some kind of lap there. But, uh, yeah, Kelsey and Tyree Kill both go berserk. Eight-plus catches, eight uh, 100-plus receiving yards and a touchdown for each of them. And Bell finally got a touchdown. But yep. that Bell has been pretty rough as a Chief so far. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't really done much in KC so far. 
and I think too, all you uh, Clyde Edwards Hellair owners, this this helped you out calm your nerves, wondering, oh, you know, we haven't seen him put in Le'Veon Bell. He wasn't splitting carries or anything, but to see a two touchdown performance, they were dedicated to the run game for for some of the the game at least. That's got to help you out a little bit going down the stretch here. Yeah, and I think he's been about what we draft him to be. He's a rookie. I mean, I think we could have expected some inconsistencies to him, but still, 10th rated, 10th highest scoring running back in fantasy so far. Yeah, he's been pretty good, and I think we can feel safe. I mean, Bell hasn't had more than, what, seven carries in a game. It just seems like it's going to be P.E.H. and Bell uh, as really an insurance policy. If C.H. were to go down, Le'Veon Bell suddenly could have immense value, but yeah, we know the rookie's the guy. And on the Raiders side, I mean, Derek Carr played really good in this one. He did, and another important game. Also three, uh, threw three touchdowns the first time these two teams met earlier in the season, so he's looked good in huge games. Kept him in it somewhat against the Bucks. That game was closer than a scene. They beat the Saints earlier this year. So the Raiders, they've been a team that we felt like in recent years they haven't really delivered. They've had a terrible defense of course but yeah Carr this year he's he's not in the MVP talk but he's he's definitely playing like a pro board and Nelson Aguilar definitely the receiver you want to own out of this bunch it looks like as uh, the last couple weeks he's been coming on with him yeah welcome back my old friend Nelson his glory days with the city of brotherly love you know he's had some good stretches here last six week 55 plus receiving yards and a touchdown in four of those past six games so last month and a half he's been really explosive here he had six catches 88 and a touchdown on sunday night sunday night football so yeah a new location new team sometimes that's all it takes it just you sputter out in a certain location and it just gets old yeah i feel like that's what happened with Aguilar. he can still play all right well we're up to week 12 here and uh no buys this week that's a strange thing there's some still next week but no buys full slate so everyone's going this week so who do you like at uh, quarterback i think we got to go with the kid again and it's just Herbert. and traveling to buffalo on paper you know dermot buffalo defense hasn't really been what we thought it was it hasn't been what it was last year at least mm-hmm. and herbert himself he's setting records he's the first rookie with three or more touchdowns in five different games so he's been, he's been really unbelievable 20 plus fantasy points in seven straight for the rookie out of oregon and i think the bills are the better team clearly you know we're surprised every week with one or two games one or two results but the bills are the better team i think that la will be trailing in the second half so i think herbert will be pretty good here in orchard park on the road week 12 and who are we sitting at quarterback i think we got to sit down to and it oh. could be a hot dfs play because he's going up against the jet and look this is a, this is a risky pick because going up against the jet he could explode we don't know he could go <laughs> off for 30 but he was banged up a little bit last week potentially we're still figuring that out he was on the injury report coming into week 11 with the foot the rhetoric's been all week he was clearly benched yeah either way you don't love it if he was banged up you don't love it if he was benched in his fourth career start you know you're wondering are they going to do that again the jets have played some teams frisky in recent weeks we know they played the broncos close they played the patriots close played the chargers close and it's a divisional game if it's close and two is not looking great i mean the dolphins need to win games stay in the mix wild card maybe the division and just two he hasn't been very explosive so far under 170 passing yards in three of his four starts under 15 fantasy points in three of his four starts so got a good matchup i'm sitting to it here week 12 i would hope that maybe you know may i don't wish anything bad for tua but maybe they do bench him this game and we have fitz magic rise up 
and go against his old team of the Jets and just roast them and has about five touchdowns. This is exactly the spot where he would do that. <laughs> yes. This is exactly the spot where he would do that. I mean, it, if it was week 17 and the playoff spot was on the line, yep. he might turn into a pumpkin and throw three or four picks. But week 12, hey, keep an eye on the, keep an eye on the radar here. Maybe <laughs> in the starter, which I will be surprised going into the game if Fitzpatrick is a starter. I do not think that will happen, but yeah. we'll keep an eye out. We'll keep an eye out. Running backs this week, and this guy's been coming on uh, with uh, the Chargers, Kalen Balage in that matchup at Buffalo. You liking him? And I think this is the last week we can use him. I'm all over the Chargers this week. Pick Herbert at quarterback, taking Balage again. Why not? I mean, we've already got a room booked at the Bellagio from last week. We like Kalen Balage last week, and I think, no, we've got Eckler coming back soon. He's got the hamstrings, he's got the knee, and out, but he's eligible to return. He may come back against Buffalo this week, but even if he does, I, I don't see him getting anywhere near his usual workload. And, you know, Balazs has bounced around, but he's kind of found a home here in L.A. the last few weeks. 15-plus carries in three straight games, 14 or more fantasy points in three straight games. He hasn't been efficient, but a ton of work. He was also second on the team in catches and targets against the Jets. Buffalo's rush defense has not been good this year as they were last year, at least top 10 last year. I think Balazs is a good play here combined with that with that Herbert, we'll have a couple red zone opportunities. All right, and maybe some running backs you might want to sit. Now, this guy, you know, you might be excited about him because he put on quite a show the first couple weeks here, got hurt, and this backfield's been a mess without him. Raheem Mostert going to be back for the 49ers, but you're saying maybe temper those expectations this week. Yeah, there's a good chance he plays. He's designated to return. He's eligible to play. And there's some rhetoric. He may go. He's missed the last four. And they'll have, you know, 21 days since they designated him from the IR, uh, which was November 24th, Tuesday, yesterday. They've got three weeks to bring him back if they want to. But, look, this is a big game. They're on the road against the Rams, the divisional team. I don't know. In fantasy, I would not throw him right back out there after he's sat out four games. McKinnon and Coleman are banged up themselves. They've had some issues, but they're likely to play. So if most goes he's going to be splitting somewhat we know most the most explosive he when he goes out there man he in the open field he is incredible i think he's extremely underrated and when he did in the playoffs last year speaks for itself but yeah i don't think this is the week you want to run him out there the rams have been really good uh the third best defense against running backs in fantasy third fewest points allowed in the position. For me, I just sent out an offer today. I'm trying to acquire Mostert because I think he could have some big weeks here over the last few weeks. Deadline's coming right up. They got the Bills and the Cowboys coming up the next couple weeks after the Rams, but sitting in week 12. And then, you know, guy we just talked about, CEH, Clyde Edwards, Hellaire, but tough matchup at Tampa Bay, and uh, you're not liking that this week. No, I mean, if you've got him in season long, he's probably, you picked him late in the first round, and you got to take your chances. He's your, he's your number one running back. You're playing him, obviously, but if we're talking about DFS, I would stray away from the rookie here. He, we know he's in that elite tier. He's in that second tier of running backs, but th- among those guys, you look at the list of matchups for Week 12, I think that he has the most prohibitive matchup going on the road. It, you don't really care about going on the road anymore, but going to play Tampa Bay, maybe the best rush defense in the NFL. CH has been pretty high floor. You know, he's had that even in bad weeks, he gets you 10, he gets you 12 points. He's been under 13.5 PPR points in five of his last seven games though, so not quite as explosive as we thought. Consistent, but not crazy explosive. Going against the Bucks, I'm not looking for CEH in DFS. And at the wide receiver position, if uh, you're wondering about this guy, because he has some good weeks and then some that you know not so good, and he might be tough to put him in at flex or where you want to put him in, but at wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, the Panthers, they got that matchup against Minnesota. What do you think of him this week? 
I we hit on him last week too. You touched on him. He's been really low key delivering as a solid flex this year. Top twenty five wide receiver. We know he's not just exclusively a wide receiver. He gets plenty of work or at least a couple carries every game yep. on the ground. He's had multiple rush attempts in almost every game. I think just two games he's had less than two rush attempts. So just sprinkles them in there, and they're usually in kind of high-leverage situations. That two rushing touchdowns since week seven. And, of course, last week with T.J. Walker in there, his NFL debut, eight catches, seven yards, and a touchdown for Samuel. Led the team in catches or was tied for the team lead in catches. Bridgewater, it looks like he's going to play this week. Had the sprain MCL that kept him out, but looks like he'll be back. And that's not a problem. I mean, Samuel was good when Bridgewater was in there. Three of the past four games, a touchdown for Samuel, and also 21-plus fantasy points three of the past four. So against the Vikings, I think that this could be a pretty good week for Samuel. Yeah, and he has been the most consistent Panthers wide receiver this season. I will say that because DJ Moore, it's been up and down. It's been a roller coaster. And Robbie Anderson, not a whole lot. In fact, I know I think he's been dealing with injuries and all that. But uh, Curtis Samuel, he's been there week in and week out, pretty solid for them. Yeah, and he's usually been the guy that you know been dealing with injuries. Yeah. Like he's been banged up, and yeah, uh, the last couple last couple weeks, I mean, Robbie's come back to earth a little bit. He was on like an all all pro pace, hasn't had a touchdown in the last few weeks. He's been under uh, fifty receiving yards the last two games. So we love him downfield. He's really fun to watch, Robbie Anderson. But yeah, finally Samuel's been consistent week in week out. It's been it's been a good year to follow up a solid twenty nineteen. All right, time to pick some games against the spread here. Thank. Thanksgiving extra with, well, now a game that's going to be kicking off 15 minutes after the new games on Sunday. We're going to throw that one in, too. So here we go. Texans, Lions. What do you think in this one? This is a tough pick, but I think this I feel more confident about this one than the other two. Not a divisional game. Deshaun Watson quietly putting together a really good season for a bad football team or a below-average Texans. Team. Last week, as Houston got his third win of the season, he had 344 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. I didn't know about this collection they had. I mean, uh, we know Cobb is going on IR now. Uh, Randall Cobb will be out for a few weeks, but I'm starting to see. I mean, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, they've both had pretty good seasons. They're kind of, they can sprinkle in plays downfield. They've actually kind of started to click with Watts. I'll be interested to see if those two guys are part of their plan for 2021. Yeah, I don't know. This is a, These are weird teams, Paul. The early game <laughs> on Thanksgiving, I I think I like the Texans, even as three-point favorites, but it's tough. They're on the road in Detroit. What's your read on this? Here's my read, and it has nothing to do with factors that have gone on this season. Uh, In my fantasy draft for eight years in a row, back when he was still playing, my kicker was always Jason Hansen. My reasoning was, so then I had some interest in the Thanksgiving games, and maybe I could get away from the table and just say, yeah, I'm I'm just seeing how my fantasy guy's doing. So for eight years in a row, everyone knew in my league I was picking Jason Jason Hansen as my kicker. I know this is the Lions Super Bowl. So I've I've always been with the Lions, obviously, on Thanksgiving Day. I, I know they're the favorites, I think, going into this one. I will take the Lions in this one. Again, no logic at all, just on those factors. All right, I'll, I'll take it. It's a split committee here. <laughs> uh, we don't know if Swift will play. He's in concussion protocol right now, may or may not go. And if he does, I mean, that'd be a huge boon for this offense. The, the Texans have been so bad against the run this season. But I respect it, Paul. Sometimes <laughs> you've got a feeling. Yes. It could be this or that. Lions on Thanksgiving, Jason Hansen. you got to pull the trigger. So, all right, I, I, I respect <laughs> it. Prater's got to have a game after that goose egg. They had nothing. 
nothing last week, obviously shut out. And yeah, that was uh, Prater, who's been consistently all of a sudden nothing last week. So I'm like, okay, it's a Thanksgiving game. They're going to probably be kicking about five field goals. So, I mean, it's always one of those weird endings. So I'm with the Lions on this one. Yeah, and Stafford, he's had some weird health stuff in recent weeks. Is he rough out against the Panthers last week? I feel like people have kind of looked at them as playing above their skis. They've been near 500, but they're still not out of it. So if he has a big game on Thanksgiving, I mean, more so than some years, the Lions still have life. But this, of course, they've got to beat the Texans, a game that's winnable for them. Washington and the Cowboys. I had to laugh because I think it was... Troy Aikman, who was trying to say, yeah, the Washington football team and the Cowboys, they've had some great Thanksgiving rivals. I Obviously, with the new t- team nickname, I think he was making fun of the whole thing. So I found that funny on the broadcast last Sunday. But uh, here they are, Cowboys. Uh, they're, uh, what are they, three-point favorites in this one? Yeah, Cowboys three-point favorites. They're both three and seven. And finally, Dalton showed some life. I mean, that's literally last week against Minnesota. That's the first time we've really seen life from a quarterback position since Prescott went well I will say Gilbert against Steelers he kept him in that one but not quite the statistical day that Dalton had with his three touchdowns against Minnesota that's the factor for me that starts to get me tempted towards taking the Cowboys but also they Zeke come back to life he had a pretty good game last week finally I don't know I don't, <laughs> these divisional games are a tough read and Alex Smith he's not coming in hot but did enough last week Gibson I know for Washington he destroyed the Cowboys in general Washington just killed the Cowboys at FedEx Field, that game Dalton got knocked out. Mm -hmm. This is tricky, Paul. I think not having a huge read on it, Alex Smith, I think he can do enough with the three points. Yeah. I think Washington is probably the safer play, but Cowboys are at home this Always the Cowboys, they just, they're so deceiving because you think, you look at this matchup, you look what they have on offense, obviously with the Dak injury and everything, but they still have the weapons there. And you got to think, man, they they should blow Washington out. But Washington, they do play tough, uh, the defense for the most part. And Antonio Gibson, he's really been coming on the last couple weeks, scoring some touchdowns, and uh, he's been more of a factor in that offense like we thought he would as the season would go on. And Dallas, you know, that defense is terrible. That if Justin Jefferson held on to the ball on a first down pass play, uh, the Vikings drive would have continued on and they could have came back and won that game potentially, even though Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Um, but in this one, am I going to fall into the Cowboys Thanksgiving trap again? I think I am. I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Win and cover the three. That, that game last week, Paul, yes. two of the sickest catches I've seen all year. The C.D. Lamb catch, the way he contorted his body, yeah. that was insane. And the catch by Theo on the one-hander. Yes. It was, those are two of the best catches of 2020 in, in a single game. It wasn't a big-time game, really. Yeah, and then he caught COVID after the game, too. So, I mean, it was an impressive game from Thielen. <laughs> He was kidding. Yeah. He got everything, baby. He was all over the place. <laughs> well, I guess it's one positive, one negative test. They're still trying to figure out his status. So you'll have to check on him for a Vikings uh, report later down this week to see if Thielen's going to be in this week. But, yeah, some impressive catches in that one. And we're going to end it here. Ravens and Steelers, like we said, this game now going to be the uh, 12-15, wherever you are, 12-15, 1-15 kickoff game on Sunday now. They move them out of the uh, window there on NBC. So I guess uh, they're going to have to play a Christmas movie instead of their... Uh, I guess NBC will have to throw on It's a Wonderful Life early here because they won't have that time to fill. But then, coming up Sunday, Ravens-Steelers. Steelers, four-point favorite in this one. Uh, always when these two get together, tough game. Always. 
and this is a rematch. It would have been more fun if it stayed on Thanksgiving, but rematch of the 2013 Mike Tomlin trip game. Yes. Uh, was it intentional? Was it not? I don't know if we'll ever know uh, him yeah. taking down Jacoby Jones on the sideline, but this hurts our Thanksgiving football, Paul. I mean, we've got Texans, Lions, yes. Washington Cowboys. I mean, yeah. look, we love football. We're going to watch these games, but goodness gracious. I mean, this shifts the uh, dynamic. We'll make the most of it, but yeah, I mean, I can't believe the Ravens, they still had a shot in that last game. I mean, Lamar Jackson, we remember, he got tackled just short of the sticks on that fourth down that effectively ended the game, gave Pittsburgh the ball back. He had two interceptions in that game, including a pick six on one of the first, I think literally his first pass of that game. And uh, the Steelers are four-point favorites. Ah, is, I, I want to take the Ravens. Oh, I I just, know, they I have know. to break through. They have to. Even if they, we got a little bit of a buffer here, they don't have to win. They, when are they going to win one of these games, Paul? It's in division, right? I, yeah. It's got to be. That's got to help the case to take the Ravens plus four here. It's got to, but I think with everything going on, not you know, not ensure that backfield because just having Gus back there and potentially not Ingram or Dobbins, I think that really hurts their case, especially against the Steelers' defense on their wide receivers. Because, again, those Ravens wideouts have not been – they haven't been there for Lamar. I think maybe that is the problem is they're not getting open. And against this secondary, the Steelers, that's going to be a tougher matchup. I guess I'm going to roll with the Steelers on this one. I respect that. I mean, the COVID thing does certainly – if if I'm leaning on Gus Bus. Yeah, I don't know if I like my odds anymore. Uh, look, I'm already bought in. We're gonna we're gonna have to have another split. But it sounds like you're on Washington, correct? With the three? Yes, yeah, so you, you went Cowboys. I'm Cowboys. You went yeah, Cowboys. No. Yeah, I'm okay, Cowboys. So you went Cowboys. We'll split on this one. You'll go Steelers. I'll go Ravens. And then Texas Lions in the early slot. That's that's the doozy of the day. That's yes. That's gonna be a great game. Oh my gosh, can't wait for that one. <laughs> sounds like you're just pumped for it. Just pumped, man. But hey, fantasy football. Who cares? That's what makes these games interesting to watch even if you're not yes. a fan of one. As I yes, am I told you with that Jason Hansen story, it gives you a reason to watch football on Thanksgiving, even though it may not be the greatest matchups of all time, which usually is the case when you have Detroit on there and the way the Cowboys are playing this year. So from everyone out there, you know, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy those games. Corey, once again, thank you so much for your time helping us break it down and get us ready here because we're right in the thick of things here, the stretch run of the fantasy playoffs. Happy Thanksgiving, Paul, and through that, I mean, we're here for you. I'd get the fans ready. A few things matter more than getting your team in the fantasy postseason, getting a shot. No, we do it for fun, but in all, in all reality. Happy Thanksgiving, Paul. Good to be here again. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftToThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.